I believe that every one of us can create beautiful images, feel fulfilled and improve our well-being through photography. The Quiet Landscapes podcast explores the life and work of photographers, creatives and thought leaders through monthly conversations that will inspire you. My name is Margaret Soraya and I'm so glad that you are here. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Quiet Landscapes podcast. Today I have Tyler Gravely as my very first guest on the show and we're going to talk all about mindfulness and meditation and how we can use it in our photography. I first came across Tyler through an online course and was really excited when she talked about those who meditate and practice mindfulness in unconventional ways and uh, I love this idea because it opens up the world of mindfulness and meditation to a whole range of people who may have dismissed it before. And so although I'll be mostly bringing on photographers onto this show, I personally have an interest in how our photographic practice is intrinsically linked to our well-being. And the more that we can be aware of that, the better. So a big welcome to Tyler today, who is a mindfulness coach and is going to help us pick how we can all create a little bit more peace in our lives. So welcome, Tyler. Thank you for coming to chat with me today. Thank you so much for having me. That's all right. And you're all the way from America, aren't you? I am. I live in Texas in a little town. Well, it's not so little, but called San Antonio. <laughs> Wonderful. So can we, can we just start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Of course. Okay. So let me get the... Let me get this down. So um, my name is Tyler Gravely, and I currently host a show called The Pollen Show, where I talk about unconventional ways you can meditate and practice mindfulness. And I started practicing mindfulness back in 2012 when I started my yoga practice after going through a divorce. So I recognized pretty quickly that um, I had a lot of thoughts. And there was a lot going on in there and I needed to find some peace. And my biggest goal was I just need to turn these thoughts off. Like how do I get my brain to stop thinking? And that was what I really truly thought meditation and mindfulness was like, oh, I'll just go in there and turn everything off and I'll be fine. And so fast forward, let's see, it's been about eight years and here we are. And I still have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> so um, I really recognize pretty quickly that there's no amount of training that you can do to turn those thoughts off. It's just about how you learn to love them and what you choose to feed. So that is, I, I mean, I kind of basically went through a bunch of different yoga trainings. I studied with a Baron Baptiste. And then I did a silent meditation retreat for 10 days in 2016. And that was like a big moment of acceptance for me that, oh, wow, that's fun. I'm fun. So <laughs> it was, you know, that's kind of where we are. And so I wanted to teach people because I kind of find that mindfulness and meditation is much better understood when you get to talk about it. Because if you're not shedding light on it, then I feel like people think, and from what I've recognized pretty quickly is people, oh, I can't meditate because I can't turn my brain off or I can't sit still, which duh, nobody really can. It's very hard to do unless you want to sit in a cave and be enlightened. Um, and then, you know, when you talk about it, they're like, oh my God, I do that too. 
And it's kind of pretty incredible to witness that. And then when you put light on it, it's like, oh, I'm okay. I'm normal. So here we are talking about it. <laughs> well, that's, that's really, and that's why I, I was really grabbed by that idea um, because it kind of, it opens up mindfulness to a, uh, so many people that, that would automatically say, well, I can't do that. Oh, I can't meditate like myself who finds it very, very hard to sit and, and blank my mind, which is just always full of ideas. And, um, but then I, I started to think, well, am I actually, I feel like I'm almost meditating when I'm a, when I'm swimming, but also when I'm photographing. And it's so nice to hear somebody talk about it in this way, because I think a lot of the things you hear about, or oh, well, you have to do this to meditate. So you have to sit and you have to, you know, sit there and you learn to do it, don't you? It's a learning process. So, so you don't think that meditation, um, it's ultimate meditation then is sitting and blanking your mind. It, is, is that better than what we're doing through photography? You know, I feel like I don't want to discredit that practice in that way because it's so, I mean, it's like the ideal, right? It's like the goal to sit and be this perfect human that doesn't have any thoughts. But here's the thing about, I don't know the percentage, but maybe there's like 99% of us that don't get to do that, you know, because we have to make a living and we have to, there's, God, we just want to like be in life. We want to eat pizza. We want to go running. We want to go swimming. We want to take pictures. Like we want to do all the things and enjoy life too in a, in a way that we're socializing and being with other humans. And so you can get so lost in swimming and your art and your passion of photography. Um, yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, it's like striving for that in a sense, but recognizing that there's so many different ways to get there I guess yeah and I suppose yeah. sometimes when you strive for something a lot of people just don't achieve it at all because they they're striving it's almost that perfection isn't it so I, I think I was speaking to somebody actually about the artist's way book and um, we were talking about it's, it's an amazing book and being able to do the the whole process is fantastic but she didn't want to, she didn't read it because she couldn't work her way through it and do everything that she needed to do. So she didn't do any of it. So I was like, well, just dip in. Actually, you know, just do what you can and dip in. So I guess this is this is uh, sort of similar in that, okay, well, we'll do what we can in the way that suits our lifestyle and, and um, what we do rather than going for the full thing and not achieving it because, well, we just can't possibly, <laughs> we can't do it. So it's amazing to hear you speak about it. It's wonderful. Um, I was going to say, I'll tell you a little story about mindfulness. So for a long time, I spent my life practicing Bikram yoga. It's that really, really hot yoga. And they kind of say like, if you don't do 90 minutes a day, you're, you know, you suck. Like you, you've got to do 90 minutes a day. Like that's the, I, that's the ideal. Right. And for a long time I thought, oh my gosh. And I would go every day. And I, and when I didn't go anymore, I thought I suck. I shouldn't do anything because I can't do 90 minutes. So if I don't do 90 minutes, I just suck and I can't do it. And I kind of think about that with meditation because that's not true. It's so untrue. So if you can't, there's so many things out there like, like practice an hour a day, practice 30 minutes a day. And it's like, I can't even do 10 minutes. So I just won't do anything. But the key with meditation and mindfulness is to be consistent. So just show up for if you did it all day, every day, every hour, once an hour at, for two minutes, you know, then that's your, 
that's perfect. That's for you. Or if you just did 10 minutes every day, but the key is, well, we got to show up for it. So yeah, making that time, I suppose, to 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 be conscious conscious about it, I suppose. And these sort of conversations are fantastic because it brings it back into the um, consciousness and that, that we start to realise actually we need to do this. So yeah. yeah, it's important, isn't it? So can you um, can you give me some examples of the ways in which you you know you've come across other people meditating in these unconventional ways? So like examples of of what. What you know, obviously, mine's photography and swimming. So, what else have you come across? Have you got anything really unusual? <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Um, I met a lady who is a conflict management coach, and she was saying, Well, the first step in understanding how to navigate through conflict is awareness. And I'm like, You realize that's meditation, right? Like, the first step to noticing your thoughts is awareness. And she's like, Wow, like that was really cool. She didn't even know she was teaching people meditation and mindfulness. She's just teaching them about conflict and how to navigate. Um, obviously, photography, just talked to a woman who had made a huge, like, mindful wedding. But in reality, she was doing like a mindful event. And she came out with this like really cool handout all about like, what brings you joy? How do you feel? What's, you know, what it's all about awareness. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, of course people get lost in creating music, knitting, like knitting with your hands. It's such a conscious practice. Cause you're, you're lost in something. Uh, like you said, swimming met an athlete who is a huge soccer player um, and golfers, like they're just, they don't even realize they have to think about their intention of where that next step is going to be. And so a lot of times I feel like people don't even know they're already practicing mindfulness in uh, such a different way. Yeah. I think when you said knitting, it's, I was thinking actually it's that rhythmic kind of like, you know, when you knit, I used to knit when I was young, I don't knit anymore, but when I was young, for some reason I used to knit and it's that rhythmic, it's very rhythmic. It's like clicking, clicking, clicking. And I'm thinking that's kind of like swimming, isn't it? You're, you're one, two, three, four, breathe, one, two, or one, two, three, breathe, whatever. Um, and running, I suppose, is the same sort of thing. It's not the same with the photography, but I suppose there's a lot of things that are very sort of rhythmic and, you know, you're just focusing on where you're going and what you're doing. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. It's all about focus. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's all about focus, bringing it back noticing your breath, you know, that's the biggest thing is like, can I focus on something? Cause I'm sure that you can attest to this. Like when you focus on just being present with your pictures and you're out there in the middle of this beautiful nature, all of a sudden it's like, man, whatever you need to do next, like the universe, I feel like whatever you want to call it is like, you just have that one thought. And you're like, this is where I need to take my business. This is where I need to go next. It's like you get to turn everything into one thing, one point, and then all of a sudden, it's like the answers come. And I love that about meditation. And you can do it in anything. It's like whatever you feel like you love the most. Yeah. Once you start to think of it like that, it's really great that you're unpicking this. Um, so when we're, when we're talking to other photographers, um, you know, they might not realize they're doing that. I suppose I did this for many years without realizing it. It was only, it was only in the past few years that I've started to make those connections between um, the way that you feel afterwards. After a shoot on the beach, I feel completely refreshed as if I've come away from something, this little bubble, <laughs> this bubble of wonderfulness, and my, my mind is clear and I feel, I feel you know, uplifted. Um, but maybe people are, are practicing 
um, mindfulness in the photography without realizing at the moment. So can you possibly give us some tips on so any of the photographers out there, can you give them any tips on how that they would, you know, consolidate that a little bit more? What what would be the steps if they wanted to start? Um, I know you can't try it out, but to put it into practice more. Um, I always tell people to slow down and then just to take some time out in the landscape first before taking pictures. But if you've got any ideas on what they could do. I think that's wonderful. You know, you're right. Definitely slowing down is key. I think depending on what you're taking pictures of, or if it's like a real life person, or if it's a, you know, landscape, like there's this moment when you can so easily, like you, I just imagine you a lot of times like sitting out there and just taking that breath in, taking a moment to like hear everything, smell everything, kind of get in touch with the senses of what your body is feeling. That is mindfulness. And then going and and listening maybe perhaps within like where do i need to shoot when do i need to shoot and when do i just need to take this in wholeheartedly and not capture anything and just be here in this moment you know it's almost like you're saying like uh i don't want to call it a prayer but almost like you're just sitting there for a moment just setting an intention and i think that and especially if you're coming into contact with other humans like let's say you're going to take pictures of other people this is all goes back to like my sales experience of like nine out of 10 times that person, you're the expert. That person is scared. Like they're scared to open up and like come into your space. Right. We're always, I don't know what that is about when we go into a store. It's like they, you, if you are in the store, it's like your home, like come on into my home. So if you're the photographer, like come in, be welcoming and then letting that person just in all their glory be who they are. And by doing that, it's more of, it's not about you. It's about them. You know, it's on a, oh, right. Yeah. You know, oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. So just being welcoming and like, we call it in yoga holding space. And I know that sounds weird. Like what the heck does holding space mean? But it's more or less like just shutting up and just like allowing, you know, just like allowing for whatever happens to happen. Like, I'm just going to be quiet and see what you need to say. <laughs> I, I think that's lovely. I think we, we should all do a bit more of that shutting up. <laughs> like, like, that's brilliant. Shut up. But, that's amazing because, you know, I've been talking about landscape photography and nature photography. Um, but when you bring people into it, you're absolutely right. I'm a wedding photographer as well, a portrait photographer, and I've been quite successful um, with that, not because it's necessarily my passion, but because I got very good at it. And I, th- I think the only reason I got very good at it was because I was very, um, I was allowing them to be themselves rather than it to be about me. And so that's what you've just said, actually. You know, I've always tried to to put that into words is to say, well, why why did I, why do people respond well to me in front of the camera? Because anybody who can do wedding photography just as good as me and, and nothing special, but I think it's the personality and the way that you approach people and the, the, the space that you give them that's the important thing and you've just put that into words that's amazing <laughs> so true <laughs> though <laughs> yeah and it's really helpful for people who want to do like travel photography because that's a very very difficult thing to do so you know you're going out onto the streets of uh, foreign places and you're not quite sure whether these people want the photograph taken that's 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 very very tricky actually yeah but but in the in the landscape I think the, the bit there where you were talking about, you know, the senses, I think um, as I was listening to that, I I was just thinking, 
like <laughs> nicely and getting all peaceful. I think we should maybe get you on to do a little meditation for photographers before oh my we go out into Alaska. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would love to. That would be awesome. Just taking it all in. And it's just about setting that intention and creating that space. That's the biggest thing because what's going to happen is the mind's going to tell you, no, I got to get out there. I got to go. I got to be, huh? And you get so excited and you can think about anything and everything else. And that's when you can notice that thought right then and there, that's when you go, oh no, I'm just going to take a breath real quick. You know, like I'm just going to enjoy this moment for one second, you know? That's probably really important. I think one of the, I, I had a, a lady who um, loved photographing the sea, but she didn't um, have much opportunity to go. So once a year, she would manage to get to the, the sea on a workshop normally. And she had this sort of feeling about like, it was like almost panic. I'm here. I want to enjoy it. I want to, <laughs> I want to enjoy it. And I want to photograph this. And I really want to capture um, these emotions. But because she was being overridden by that kind of um, desire to do it, it was like the mind racing thing. So I think for people like that, I think having those sort of instructions almost like one breathe to <laughs> 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 slow down. Yeah, <laughs> ten minutes. You know, it, be quite, it's, it might be quite nice to um, to to create a, a, a list <laughs> yeah. of how to do for people. I, I think, think I I always would suggest too. Like, I always pull in a mantra when I get overwhelmed like that, like excited, overwhelmed. I can feel in my belly like I need to like slow down for a second, and I'm like, "What is mine will never leave me." Like, I kind of have to tell myself that because it's so true because you can get like excited and there's so many times in my life where I've gotten excited and I knew I should have waited like I just knew and then I just I was like it's like that moment of learning but yeah so true it won't leave you yeah it's having those thoughts those things that you can say to yourself um, I sometimes repeat things to myself when I'm, you know, outdoors. It's like, you know, just just enjoy, enjoy and, uh, you know, relax and enjoy. And um, you have to remember that sometimes, don't you? It's like prompts. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I think, you know, I think mindfulness in, in this particular time of the world, you know, we've had all sorts of issues with COVID and lockdowns and people struggling over, all over the world with different things and grief, loss of freedom, having kids at home, <laughs> not being able to get out, you know, losing travel plans, not being able to travel to places and um, see family, etc. You know, there's all sorts going on in the world. I think mindfulness is crucial. I think this is something that's going to be more and more important in this world. It's, it's, it was already a fast-paced world and we already needed it. But we suddenly had this time to stop and go, actually, you know, we need it more than ever now. Um, so so maybe you can explain um, a little bit more about how mindfulness can help us through this this kind of difficult time. Yeah, it is definitely an interesting time. <laughs> you know, I was reading this book the other night and I was thinking sometimes people tell me like, just breathe, just, you know, it's fine. And I'm like, I can't freaking breathe right now. Like, this is crazy. Stop it. Don't tell me that. Like, that just ticks me off even more. And so I hate that. I don't tell people that because it's frustrating. I Everything that is going on, I think maybe perhaps ideally in our heads, we think like, oh, if we could just breathe, if we could just find a moment of peace and if we could just relax for a second, it's very important for the body physically, you know, to get out of that stressor state and to get into a more restful state. 
And so what I typically tend to do for my own self, because especially when COVID hit, I, I was in a place of like, I freaking welcomed it. I was like, yes, I was so excited to like be home and like not talk to anybody and like have that solitude. And then very like within the few weeks, I was like, okay, where's my friends? What is happening? Why can't, why won't anybody see me? I started taking things so personally because my, a lot of people in my life were living in fear and it was like, well, we could go out to a park. I mean, I had all these ideas, right? But they were so scared to do anything. And so I had to like look and realize, Tyler, what do you need right now? Like, how can you feel full when you can't see your friends, when you can't, I'm a hugger and I couldn't hug anybody. Like, ah, it was like, I was like, I just need a hug. Like, you know, sitting at home feeling frustrated. And I think for me, it was like, what can I do? Like, what do I have control over? Because the only person in reality I have control over is myself. And so I'd go on walks and I ate a lot. Like I shouldn't have ate as much as I did, but it was like part of the process to, to really self-soothe. And I realized, oh, I use food to soothe. Well, that's really mindful. Um, <laughs> but, but it was a matter of still staying in the practice of, okay, I'm going to show up for myself. I think journaling is a huge mindful activity that we could all do. and. The biggest goal in my whole life is not to take out the people that I love because it's so easy to do when we're pressured to all these rules at work, all these new rules in life, you know, the here in America, the politics are happening and the elections coming up and it's insane. And so it's a matter of keeping myself safe in who I surround myself with, what I choose to look at, what I choose to read. And it's really, Margaret, the biggest thing is like a matter of self-love. Like, can I go take a shower? What do I, like literally what do I need so I don't take someone else out? Because I, no one feels good taking their partner or spouse out. You know, it's like that, like nobody likes that. And it never makes you feel better. So I'll typically journal or do something of that nature, just moving the body even especially if you're in a funk, like for those of us who get depressed easily by not being around people, um, it's a matter of, okay, I feel like crap. What am I going to do about it? Like who's responsible for this feeling? I am. Okay. What am I going to do about it? And that's when you get up and that is mindfulness going for a swim, going for, I'm going to go out in nature. Like, what do you need to do? Cause I think that's the biggest key to all of this to survive everything. Yeah, it's it's um to- totally makes sense. I think it's finding those little things that you can do rather than focusing on things that you can't do. I suppose that's part of it, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, yeah, what can I do right now? Because I feel like I have no control over anything. All right, what do I have control over? You know. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of us don't have control. That's the fact is, and I think a lot of the problems that the, the people I'm working with are facing is that they can't, they can no longer go to the places that they like photographing. So, um, you know, people often travel for, for the photography. Uh, I certainly do. I, tra- I don't live by the sea. I travel for to, to the, to the sea. Um, and I've been lucky enough to get there in August and September. Um, but it was months and, um, I, I was fine actually. I found, 
I found my pleasure in the immediate surroundings. So I was photographing a lot of grasses and doing a lot of details. And um, I just knew that that's how it had to be for a little while. And we would, we would you know, get back to it eventually one day. Um, but it's not not getting into that sort of state of, well, I can't do this. So, you know, and, but I found doing the things close to home very, very mindful, actually. So I rediscovered a whole new um, way of shooting, which was really quite nice. Um, so yeah, that was it. Was it was really it was really interesting for me. I was quite happy here actually. That's such a beautiful story because I I can't wait to hear all of these stories about people who couldn't do something. So they're like, oh, I started photographing you know cereal boxes in my house or like whatever <laughs> yeah. you know. And you're like, but then they learn something from that and they take it out into the field and they're like, oh my gosh, remember that one time you know? And it's like, ah, I can't wait to hear all these stories because I know they're going to be so good. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and people could be, you know, people are and have been photographing a lot. There's been a lot of flower photography, which is amazing. It's lovely to see. And still lives and, you know, light coming through windows and that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, it, it's all this, all this creativity is almost blossoming in a way. It's very, it's very unusual time for photography. And I think it's a very, very good one. Actually, people are really starting to think more deeply about it uh, rather than chasing the locations that they um, really wanted to go to, which is a bit unfortunate, but there's two sides to that. You know, um, if we can be happy close to home or in the home, we can we can find that that pleasure in those little moments. Then you know that's surely better for you um, in the long run. So I think it's a great time for for creativity. <laughs> so, and, but do you think do you think that all creativity, you know, all creative acts then can be mindful? I suppose you know. I suppose. I'm just trying to think. Of oh my gosh. I mean, you could, you could go crazy with this stuff. Like, okay, yeah. I'm slow down and really enjoy the water on my skin and take yeah. you know, the shower. I mean, you could sip your tea and your coffee for, you know, an hour if you wanted, you know, because <laughs> we, we could really slow down. Um, and it could be so insanely intentful. Wonderful. But yeah. I think as like humans, we we like action and we like to get going. <laughs> we do, don't we? Yeah. But I, I, I really like the way that you're so down to earth um, about things such as like eating too much over. Yeah, I was like, oh, I got to self-soothe. Oh, well, went too far. There's a, I did um, what is the yoga term? I think it's like moderation. Uh, oh, I can't think of the word right now. Oh. But it's it's a term of moderation, like everything in moderation, yeah. And I think what you've done here is you've opened up um, the ideas of meditation and mindfulness to to people who might have thought of it as just for people who were ate vegetables and did yoga every day all day. <laughs> I'm just classic, that's a bit kind of like you know, yeah. But you know, I, I do yoga and I eat vegetables. But um, you know, there's a certain section. Sometimes you sort of think that you have to be that type of person to practice this, but but we don't. And I think what you've done today is talk really, really lovely and down to earth about these things that are so important for well-being, particularly at this time. So that's great. Can I just ask you, um, I was reading um, that you're doing a, an Ayurvedic course <laughs> and I'm really interested in Ayurveda because I went, I started going to India about four or five years ago and I'd go and do a Panjikarma treatment because I was having um, migraines, like really bad migraines, I've figured it out now. Uh, it's taken me that many years to figure it out that it was stress related. Um, you know, that's how it was. It was after a period of extreme stress in my life and it just 
just got hold of me and just repeated and repeated and I couldn't get out of that cycle. Um, but the Panchakarma treatment just snapped me out of it. And it, and then I'd go downhill and then I'd go back <laughs> and I'd go downhill and go back again. But each year I've got better and now I'm completely, completely clear. So I think it's a amazing medicine that not many people know about so can you just tell us a little bit about about it I find it hard to, to tell people what it is yeah it is it's de- so it's an ancient scientific um sister science to yoga practice and it's all about like you said holistically treating the body using what we might know as food as like medic- medicinal purposes and what I love about it and what I'm wanting to bring into the world and shed into light is the structure of it and how it best soothes you. So I find that when we have a structure in our life, we actually work better. Even for those of us who are super spontaneous, we need a spontaneous structure. (laughs) Like we need something. So we work better. Our bodies work better when we have a structure. And so in Ayurveda, you can incorporate, I mean, gosh, you could go down a very long road with this as far as like what to do, how to eat, when to eat. I mean, there's so much to it, but there's really simple practices that we can all do each and every day that would make us feel better. And that's the goal, right? We're all feeling based. We all love to feel good. We don't like to feel bad or discomfort. And so when you can choose, like for example, in Ayurveda, there's a very simple practice of drinking water without ice here in America. Ice is in everything, but I know when I've gone overseas, it's like no ice. What's wrong? Where's the ice? So it's like, you know, that's just something that helps soothe the body to not have ice or to get up and eat at a certain time, like having your breakfast when the sun rises, when the sun is highest in the sky, you know, it's kind of like eating at those times will help your body work better. So it's just what we want to do. I'm working with a girl named Mariah from the Plantable Pantry, and we're just putting together mindfulness and Ayurveda together. And I'm talking, we have simplified it to the max to make it super accessible. Because again, if we go back it's like everything can seem so overwhelming because you could probably dive into so many different things, but we want to give you the very basic steps to start an Ayurvedic process in your own life. Brilliant. So sort of like a real, real Ayurvedic. That's what I think that's what I struggle with. I come home, I can't possibly carry on with the, the regime that I, I've been in India and eat the food in the, in the way that they cooked it for us. So it's, it's continuing that in real life. Um, so I'm, personally very interested in it and I think it's um it's nice to bring that into the awareness of um a lot more people I think a lot of people with chronic ailments that we're having more and more in the western world can benefit from it so I really feel quite passionate about it actually yeah no I would love to go to I have that's a dream of mine to go to India for that very reason we should come someday we should go when we can travel again um I don't yeah. know that'll be but it's probably a couple of years now um, I okay think. we'll go yeah we'll do, it. <laughs> we'll do it so can you just tell us um where we can find you and where we can find um the Ayurvedic course as well that'd be amazing yeah so I am on Instagram my podcast is the.pollen.show and on Facebook, you can head over to, I believe it's Tyler Gravely page. And there's a link to go to the net. It's called the Nectar Collective. And that is where we are. It's a 
personalized group just for this whole shebang. So it's all about Ayurvedic nutrition, little tips and tricks on how to eat for your dosha, different certain things. Dosha is like your body constitution. Um, There's a quiz you can take. It's really cool to figure out who you are, why you work the way that you work, and how you can best do this so you can feel the best that you can. Fantastic. That's great. Okay. Well, thank you for chatting with me today. It's been so nice to see you. You too. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you all for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and review it. And I'll see you on the next episode.